Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday to you, Golden Eagle fans. Listen across the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. It's the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, along with our producer Brandon. Thank you for joining us today. Great show for you today. It is September 11th. Kelly Sander uh, will spend some time with me later in the program talking about what this day means. Um, I was actually on campus at the University of Southern Mississippi 19 years ago when the horrific terrorist attacks happened, and I know everyone out there um, has uh, a time where you remember where you were and uh, the the days that followed as we rallied as a country. We'll talk about that. Uh, NFL games and recap last night's uh, NFL game uh, between the Texans and the Chiefs and look at some conference USA matchups this week. Also, Jason Bailey from To The Top Talk will be joining us, uh, but excited to have on the phone with us here in just a moment. will be joining us from East Texas Baptist University, Adam Ledyard. Uh, before we get to Adam, first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Dickie, some of the best barbecue out there, great brisket, ribs, sausage. Uh, they can uh, bring the food to you. And uh, But you should go see them, the home team, right outside Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Dickie's Barbecue, smoked here, loved everywhere. Adam Ledyard is the Assistant Athletic Director for Communications at East Texas Baptist University, the school where Scotty Walden uh, got his second job and his first head coaching experience at age 26, Division Three school in Texas. Adam joins us now. Adam, how's your Friday going, sir? Oh, it's going good. Just had a little uh, lunch, had some tacos and a and a coke, so I'm feeling pretty pretty good right now. I, I've been telling people throughout the week as we've had this transition in in uh, leadership, uh, a, a guy that coached me and poured into me, Jay Hobson, earlier in the week resigns. Scotty Walden now the uh, youngest coach in the FBS at a ripe old age of thirty. Many people around the country scratching uh, their heads. He's very young, but you guys out at East Texas Baptist, <laughs> he was a head coach for you when uh, he was 26. Tell us about the Wonder Kid. Oh, Scotty is great. He's one of those guys that, that is always full of energy. Uh, I don't know how he sleeps at night or turns it off, but he's always go, 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 uh, very personable, and, and always has an uh, incredible amount of knowledge of football to share with you along with just his character of who he is. And what he does with with our players when they were here uh, just was always uh, upbeat and always positive about everything that was going on. Uh, I didn't ever see Scotty down on anybody. Um, you know, I saw him get upset at some players and stuff, but that that's going to happen in coaching. But outside of that, he was never, uh, you know, getting upset at the players outside. He was always trying to mentor them and talk to them and, and make them that better person, that better man. Uh, because it was more than just football here on campus at East Texas Baptist. It was about about molding that that young uh, um, you know uh, player into a godly man when they left ETBU. 
If uh, people don't know where East Texas Baptist is, you guys are in Marshall. That's just inside the Texas border in between Shreveport and and Tyler, Texas. Uh, Kind of the story goes, and you can kind of correct the record if I'm wrong, Adam, but uh, Scotty Walden was the offensive coordinator at Sol Ross State, a, a team that you guys play in football. And uh, uh, the Southern Miss connection, Josh Ergel, who was the head coach at East Texas Baptist, he was a GA at Southern Miss um, under the Jeff, in the Jeff Bauer years. Apparently, he just Googled who had the best offense. And this name of this 22-year-old offensive coordinator pops up in the Google search at Sol Ross State. And Josh Ergel brings him to Marshall and East Texas Baptist. What was it like to have like a 23-year-old offensive coordinator? Was, was there some doubt in Marshall, Texas when that took place? Uh, I don't think there was any doubt with our program because we were kind of in the lower tier of our conference and we were looking for something to uh, build our build our program back up. And Ergel was a, a go-getter too. Uh, he, he is your big head coach voice when you come in. You respect him when he talks. And he wanted to come in and just change the program around and he was looking for ways to kind of shock East Texas. And, and to do that, he, he was going to find a staff that would come in and shake things up and take ETBU to the next level. So I don't think it was a surprise. I think it was more uh, at our level. Uh, it's a chance to coach at that time. Uh, if you look at Division Three, there's a lot of young coaches in the profession that use Division Three to move their way up into you know Division Two and Division One, and, and to come here and, and do what they did in a, in a short amount of time uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, his years as offensive coordinator in 13, 14, and 15. 13, more of a transition year. 14, there was some improvement. And then 15 is when you really start seeing, you know, the high numbers. And and you look back at what Scotty Walden did there. Um, he Basically, offensively, you guys rewrote every record in the offensive book. What was the offense like during those times as he was offensive coordinator? <laughs> well, yesterday I was talking to somebody about it, and I was like, if you want to drink some coffee – add steroids to it, and it's steroids on coffee. It was, it was fast, it was big, and it was explosive. Uh, you got on the field, and you didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, as, as a, you know, a sports information director trying to do statistics for that, I wasn't sure what to do. And the very first game, I had you know, uh, veterans helping me with statistics, and we got behind really quick. I started saying, write that play down, write that play down, write that play down. Because we, we weren't used to that. And just the amount of quickness those plays were every 10 or 12 seconds they were going. And, I mean, it, it was exciting to watch. And, and it really did shock Division Three football down here and in, in our conference and in, also in the division with it. it. It was so much fun to see the creativeness that they had out of it and the student-athletes and the athletes, they, they got to come to ETBU because of that. Josh Ergel went to Austin P after that 2015 season, so if the 22-year-old offensive coordinator wasn't a shock, Ergel hands the reins to a 26-year-old now, Scotty Walden, now 26. Now, what was the talk and the buzz there when he took over as a 26-year-old? Well, with, with my position, I always look for ways to market who we are and to keep the momentum going. So in, in the athletic communications industry, I saw it as a way to kind of build off of what we already had in three years with Ergel, coming off a conference championship, tying with you know Mary Harden-Baylor and Harden-Simmons, two of the big names in Division Three, And now the way that I marketed it was, hey, we've got the youngest head coach in Division Three that's going to take over a program 
and keep it going to keep that excitement going. And, and I just put it out there because I wasn't sure if anybody would pick up on it. And I created some buzz with it with the local news stations, you know, did some flyers with it to put on social media and hand out showing the, the success he had had in three years as an offensive coordinator, showing, hey, he is legit. He's been here for three years. He's done this with the offense, broke this many records, had the top-scoring offense, you know, uh, this year and, and the, the year that he was at Sol Ross, and just kind of promoted everything that he had done and what his ETVU had done in three years to, to push forward our program to continue that drive to show that, hey, ETBU is a team that you have to mess with now. You, get, you have to, you know, be aware of what we're doing here with the program. And with Scotty taking over the realm, it only helped with the recruiting, with the, uh, uh, the, the forefront of the program and putting his face out there saying, hey, come, come be a part of something special. Come be a part of something uh, big that's happening with this offense, with the way that the, the program is going and where he can take us. And it, it was really exciting to see uh, how many people picked up on that because I wasn't sure how it would go over when we started marketing it. And then it just kind of caught fire and, and blew up on us. And uh, I, I think, honestly, helped him grow and, and get into that national limelight and putting his name out there. About a minute and a half left, Adam. Um, tell our listeners about what he faced initially within three months of being named the head coach. Well, man, he, he grew up fast as a head coach. Uh, he was hired uh, in the middle of January, so he had already been here three years, so he was going into his fourth year. And in April, we had uh, two players pass away, DJ and Trey, in a tragic swimming accident. And he, he had to uh, be a part of that and grow up real quick as a head coach, lead his team through that with our administration, be there and console his team, the players that were close friends with him, and, and just turn into a counselor real quick. So uh, he, he is, he is uh, a very wise person for his young age and uh, learned a lot in that time. Uh, learning how to work with the administration, with the media, and everything through that with, with those players that passed away. So I assume now in Marshall, Texas, there's some Southern Miss fans. Oh, yes, yes. I, I've followed Southern Miss since he's left, but I'm sure there's going to be quite a few more now. We're excited about it, and uh, we we appreciate you coming on today, letting us know a little about uh, Scotty Walden uh, before he came to Southern Miss. Uh, wish you all the best. Adam, thanks for joining us on the Eagle Hour today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Adam Ledyard, the AD for Communications at East Texas Baptist University, where Scotty Walden was an offensive coordinator from 2013 to 2015, the head coach in 2016, and now the interim head coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagle football team. We'll take a break. Be back. Jason Bailey from To The Top Talk next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Friday, appreciate Adam Ledyard, the AD for communications at East Texas Baptist, where Scotty Walden was a head coach in 2016. Appreciate him joining us on this Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. 
Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, the place to go for all of the swag you need to cheer on the black and gold in any sport. Maybe uh, you're getting ready for next Saturday's game against Louisiana Tech. Swing in there and get you a brand new Southern Miss hat. Or you can always go online, campusbookmark.net. Joining us now on the phone line, Jason Bailey from To The Top Talk, a weekly Southern Miss podcast. And Jason, making your debut on the Eagle Hour, man. Thanks for coming on today. Luke, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's fantastic to be on with you um, on the uh, world-famous Eagle Hour, man. So I appreciate the invite. What a whirlwind week, and I uh, know you guys have fallen it, um, looking at you on social media, and it's just kind of been a, a week for the books, um, kind of hard to gauge a week like this in a long time um, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I guess. No doubt. Um, you know, and, and it was, it, I, I, I guess maybe at the end of the day, it, it, you know, everything turned out, I think, you know, as exciting as, as I think the fan base has been for a while. But, yeah, it was a whirlwind in there for a while. And we were talking off the air for about two days. You know, I felt like Adam Schefter. Uh, my phone just blowing <laughs> up like crazy, talking to you, talking to Sander, talking to um, just people that, you know, normal people like my dad and everybody else that I think I've ever met, um, calling just wondering what was going on, what, what, what was my take on it. And, uh, and we just kind of, it, it seemed like, you know, every 30 minutes, there was, you know, kind of another piece of the puzzle, and um, and the speculation turned out to kind of be true. So, no, it was. It was a whirlwind uh, time for sure. And, and talk about just, the, the, you know, the different ends of the emotional scale there, just from just completely mad at the world, right, and irritated and embarrassed and all that to kind of excited, right? <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually yeah. I was talking yesterday to somebody, and, and we were uh, playing some clips from, from Scotty's press conference on Wednesday evening. And Thursday a week ago seemed like so far away. Am I the only person that thinks that way? No, you're right. It was uh, it, it it did seem like forever ago, and I guess that goes right along with 2020. Um, I mean, how long does it? You know, what, Jamie and I were talking about this um, last year. You know, doing the doing the show, doing the podcast before the season started, and we were I'm sure we were probably hitting on the other first game and maybe some Jay Ladner talking. That seems like a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm right there with you. So, news came out uh, Monday at 4 o'clock. Speculation, you know, who would be the interim. I think it's, you know, looking back on it four days later, this was obviously the right direction to go. Uh, The reports you hear from from practice, um, I've heard that, man, coaching staff and players have bought in. Uh, Scotty said Wednesday night that the practices were going to be shorter, they were going to be more intense, less reps, more intense reps, and just trying to bring an energy level. What have you been hearing uh, from from practices, and and is all that that I just said pretty much uh, what you've been hearing too? Yeah, pretty much right on line with that. And I tell you what, it, it wouldn't do come up, uh, much convincing for me. It wouldn't take much convincing for me if I, the first thing my coach told me was we aren't going to practice as long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I mean, in all seriousness, it looks like uh, you know from even the reaction on social, which is a pretty good uh, barometer for how things are going, um, good or bad, uh, and all that's been positive from everybody from Frank Gore to Tim Jones to you know the like Coach Bolden and. Akeem Dave, and you know, every up and down the line, uh, it seems like everybody's fired up about this. Everybody is, um, is kind of, you know, kind of just 
that first game happened, but it didn't really happen. Like we're, we're about to start right now. It's been difficult for me um, because I've said this all week long. I, I was doing a uh, an interview for, for a show out of Atlanta yesterday and just said, man, it's difficult for me. I love the man. I love Jay Hobson, the man. The coaching aspect just didn't work out. I will continue to honor and respect the man because of what he poured into me. But as we turn the page, you know, looking forward to Scotty Walden. Dude, I, I'm, I went back and looked. Um, when he was the head coach, I mean, they, they put up 60s in games when he was offensive coordinator. He went seven and three in his in his uh, only year as a head coach, and I want to I want to temper expectations when I say this, but but dude, they they put eighty five up in a game, they put seventy six up in a game that year, and they scored over sixty I think three different times apart from those two games. I'm not expecting that, and Scotty talked about that, and just to temper expectations, but you did feel like with him and Matt Kubik collaborating, you're going to see a more upbeat better tempo and, and the offense you're not going to see a complete different you, you you got a system you got to roll with it but it seems like they are going to open it up more next week uh yeah i mean i think so and i'm not sure what all you can install in a week but right. i do think that the tempo is, is pretty easy i mean you know if you can you know uh i want to say his teams back in the day averaged like you know almost 90 plays a game which is crazy um, you know, remember Fedora always said that he would love to run 100 plays in a game. Not sure we're going to be there yet, but do I think we're going to be, you know, average, like 27, 28 seconds in between plays? Absolutely not. I think that's something that you can change right off the bat and uh, and see where it takes you. You know, see if that up tempo um, is something that the guys can, can take hold of. And from what I understand, I, th- I think players like doing that anyway. You know, playing fast, getting out there, getting after it. So, um, and it really allows your, your athletes to take over. And you and I both know that we have plenty of those on the team. Speed, speed out of this world everywhere. So maybe these guys, I mean, you mentioned Coach Kubik. I, I do wonder a little bit about the dynamic there with, with, with Scotty, um, who, to my knowledge, never even got the chance to call plays. Um, you know, now he's, he's running the show. Uh, and, and, you know, he and Kubik can work together. But it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic play out. Um, with a brand-new offensive coordinator and a brand-new head coach. I mean, not to mention the guy's 30 years old. I don't know what you were doing when you were 30 years old, but there's zero chance I could have been doing this. I wasn't coaching an FBS school, that, that's for sure. Realistically, <laughs> um, and, and again, we can, we can hype and hype and hype. I want to apply the law of gravity here. Realistically, Jason, again, you have two weeks you know, for, for change. Um, <clears throat> It happens a couple days after your game, so you've really got a whole full week of bye week, and then you got a whole full week to prepare. Maybe longer if La Tech has the bow because of COVID. Realistically, what should we expect, wins and losses, the rest of the year? Goodness gracious, put me on the spot. Uh, I, um, you know, I was asked this, I was asked something similar on this East Carolina podcast uh, earlier in the week. They called the Sports Objective. But anyway, um, and they said, what if you end up with six wins this year? I said, honestly, if we end up with six wins after how bad we look versus South, versus South Alabama, uh, we're putting up points on the board, uh, I back up the Brinks truck, you know, to Scotty. Yeah. And say, what's it going to take? Um, so, <laughs> that's, I, I, I want to see, I'm not trying to give the coach answer, but I want to see us get better every single week. I want to be able to tell they're moving in the right direction, a lot like, you know, the Todd Munkin's first year. We finally won that last game versus UAB. That the whole year, I, I, even though we were losing, you could tell that we were getting better, right? 
uh, every single week. So I would like to see a lot of that. And I just think we got good football players. So if we have good football players, everybody's pulling on the rope in the same direction. I think you can win. If I'm pushed to the edge, and I'd say a win-loss total, assuming we play all of our games, I think six is a pretty good number. Yeah, I'm in agreement, too. I think uh, if you have something fall that way, maybe you can get to seven. And, and I ask that question not so much as does Walden win over an audition? Because I, I, think, I think it is reasonable to say that he's on an audition right now. Southern Miss fans have been wanting a young offensive guy. I mean, that's what the, I mean, and, and to Fedora and Munkin's credit, those guys were excellent. They were just a little older. I mean, this is what every group of five school has been pushing for. And, and you look at what happened with Appalachian, you look at some other schools, they go out and get a young offensive mind. I guess I'm asking. Yeah, not so much wins and losses will for Scotty to get the job, but what you said, if we see energy and we see improvement, and I guess just the basis, they act like they want to be out there. I think that's success going forward. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I just want to see them battle. You know, if you ask me how this week's game, or, I mean, next week's game is going to go, if you said we're going to lose, I'd say, well, how did we do it? Did we battle till the end? Was it kind of, you know, touch and go there for a while, and both teams are giving it their all? Sign me up, because we didn't see much of that last game at all, or honestly, towards the last quarter of last season. You know, we got hammered against Western Kentucky, we got hammered against FAU, and we got hammered against Tulane in the bowl game. Uh, and then we start off this year getting blitzed again. So, uh, you know, anything positive in that direction, offensively, defensively, effort-wise, energy level, call it what you want to call it, but it's got to look better. It's got to look like Southern Miss football. And by all accounts, it looks like we're headed in the right direction. About 30 seconds left. Uh, I don't want to be head in the sand over a positive guy. Give me, give me one positive you saw from Thursday that gave you a little glimmer of hope that we can salvage the season and, and improve. Uh, from Thursday, uh, Tim Jones looked good. I thought, um, you know, a couple bad calls went our way. I mean, it's not really a positive, but if two calls happened different, we'd probably still win the game. So as bad as we played, we're still kind of in it. Um, and, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Well, I'm with you, man. And uh, I'm, I'm a, for the record, I am a Scotty Walden dude. I want to see him succeed, not just for the school, but I, I've been wanting to see this for a while. Jason from To The Top Talk, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for your uh, devotion to Southern Miss. And, man, always uh, being out there in the front, man. Have a great Friday. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. It's Jason Bailey, Jamie Arrington, do To The Top Talk Weekly. It's a podcast. And, We appreciate him coming on the Eagle Hour today. We'll take a break. Kelly Santer, preview some Conference USA matchups this week. Talk a little more about Scotty Walden. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, home of the 895 lunch every single day. Great place to go eat lunch. Trivia night, Southern Miss memorabilia, 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Also, I want to tell you about DBAT and D1 training, where the athletes go. DBAT is a is a softball and baseball academy and right next door to it d1 training went in d1 training today and just i was in hattiesburg i'm in hattiesburg right now and just getting the lay of the land man 70 yard indoor turf you can uh practice 40s uh 
Mine would be uh, maybe in the six-flat territory right now. But D1 Training, DBAT, great instructors, great facilities. Give them uh, a try. and Just go in there and see the facilities, and, and that will win you over. Kelly John Sander joins us. Louie the Wonder Dog, what's he up to today? Uh, Louie's at the house. I'm, I'm actually in the office today, just to let people know that I'm, that I'm alive and uh, you know, getting a little bit of work done here before a big weekend ahead of us. You, uh, you got a good run-in in the car this morning? I, I did, yeah. You know, you know, Luke, I do five to ten miles every morning. Love in the it. Car. Love in it. The car. <laughs> a lot of football going on. No football for the Golden Eagles this weekend as they have a bye week. Hopefully the COVID uh, issues will settle over at Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss will be able to play in the Rock next Friday, next Saturday night. Um, but, but, Kelly, you talk about it. It's kind of the same story in the NFL as it is in high school. Man, lots of, lots of rivalry games. Tonight, and lots of like close games, like proximity. When you look across the Mississippi high school landscape tonight, and I think part of that had to do with with you know COVID. Uh, some games, you know, teams not having their seasons and having to reshuffle schedules. And when you do that, obviously, you want to call the next door neighbor and say, "Hey, what, what you guys got going on?" You know, kind of like a barbecue. Well, come on over. We got we got something going. <laughs> so I think that's what a lot of these a lot of these schools did. But but some were regularly scheduled. You know, I know the. The Jackson area, um, you know, Madison Central's kind of making its way around, you know, Clinton and, and Pearl and that way. And, and in the Hattiesburg area, Hattiesburg and Oak Grove are, are playing tonight. So, yeah, there are some, some big rivalry games. You know, the NFL opened last night, Luke, and the early TV ratings are not good. They're down about 15% from last year. Uh, in fact, but, but to put it into perspective, if you compare the NFL to the NBA, uh, the NFL numbers, like I said, were down about 15% compared to the opener last year. But the NBA, uh, their ratings as a league are down so bad that they were beaten out by Big Brother on CBS. And, of course, the highly heralded Love Island actually got more viewers than the NBA. So I don't. that's very disappointing, I know, for, for people who enjoy pro sports. There was... Big expectations of, of big numbers last night for that Kansas City-Houston uh, game, but it just didn't materialize. So there were a lot of other sports choices last night, including NBA, the National Hockey League, Stanley Cup Finals, and the U.S. Open Tennis Championships were all on at the same time last night. But, uh, but numbers down, down for the NFL and the NBA. Another game last night in the college ranks, UAB uh, went down to Miami, lost on the road. It was uh, 14-7 at the half. Miami scored 17 in the third and, and won 31-14. UAB, um, yeah, less than 300 yards, total yards. But, you know, they uh, it, was a, it was at least the first half of, of good play there in Conference USA. Looking at Conference USA rolling into the weekend, really four games, a lot of games, having been postponed. Louisiana Tech, obviously, with Baylor postponed. Charlotte at Appalachian State, UTSA at Texas State, UTEP at Texas, Western Kentucky at Louisville. Um, I I would like to say that the Western Kentucky at Louisville game is probably the most intriguing to me. Tyrone Nix at his new gig as the coordinator of UTSA. Man, Texas State looked good last week. I mean, they got beat by SMU, but they looked good. Charlotte at Appalachian State, uh, App State's going to get them pretty good, but I'm thinking Western Kentucky at Louisville is the most intriguing for me. Not, not me. I like the I like the Texas State game um, in Conference USA. Yeah, the Bobcats have got a, a first year coach. You know the the old coach, the guy that used to be at at Alabama, Dennis. Um, 
from Washington State. You know, Washington State then then went to what was his name? He was only Eckerson? there a couple of years. Dennis? No, not Dennis Erickson. Um, oh no, I just I can't remember old older fellow though um, that that was there. Uh, I was there for like one or two years. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, that Texas. Oh, you're thinking of Francione? He was at Texas State. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis Francione. There you go. That's what, that's what I'm thinking of. Thank you very much. Um, but I think UTSA. I, I know that UAB is pretty good. All right, we already know that, even though they got beat by Miami. But I think UTSA. They've had a makeover with their staff uh, there too, and I think that. Uh, I really want to see how good the Roadrunners are because when you look at the Western Conference USA, you hope that even though the Eagles stubbed their claws that first weekend, that when the smoke rises, you know, that they'll, they'll still be somewhere in the mix in the West. That UTSA might be one of the teams they have to go through. So I, that's the one that intrigues me. I want to see how good the Roadrunners are. New staff there. Jeff Trailer uh, was with Chad Morris at uh, SMU. And last Our last few years has been in Arkansas. Um, he, he was uh, back at he was at SMU before then. So I mean, at Texas and, too, and so Coach, Coach Nix is there too, is he not? Yeah, Tyrone Nix is the defensive yeah. coordinator at UTSA. So new staff out there. Interesting to see how the uh, UTSA program responds. And again, you know that's a uh, that's a recruiting um, game there. Um, looking forward to Sunday, and it's it's. We're talking about high school games tonight in, in the state, man. Just some Laurel at Petal, Northeast Jones, South Jones, Seminary at Summerall, Hattiesburg at Oak Grove, Taylorsville at Seminary, Bay Springs at Raleigh. I'll be at the West Jones-Wayne County game tonight um, in Waynesboro. Caleb Hamill on 97.3 will be doing PCS at Summerall. Next-door neighbors, and, and when you look at, like, out the gate in the NFL, it kind of has the same feeling. You look at Bears at Lions, Packers at Vikings, Eagles at Washington, uh, Browns at Ravens. The, uh, but I guess the big one that everybody's talking about is at three twenty-five Sunday afternoon. Buccaneers at the Saints. Oh, I thought because the Bengals play the Chargers at that time too. So I thought maybe that's what you were uh, alluding to. <laughs> no, but but the TV people, you're right, Luke. And again, talk about the TV people. The the Saints Buccaneers game is the one that they think will will be the will be the ratings juggernaut. Um, you know, tomorrow afternoon with Tom Brady going to New Orleans, it's just a real shame that that fans aren't going to be allowed, you know, to be in that game. Because can you imagine the opener in the NFL, you know, in New Orleans against Tom Brady? Man, that would be the hottest ticket, you know, that that there's been in a while at the Superdome. So it's a shame that um, that New Orleans fans aren't going to be able to to see that in person because that that would be one. For the ages, when, I have a feeling. When we lived in New Orleans, we lived in New Orleans for about two and a half years, and there was a crazy statistic down there. And this is we were there when they won the Super Bowl. But it's like when the Saints play on television, there's no such thing as blackout uh, because like, it's like ninety percent of the televisions in New Orleans watch the Saints when they're on television. I mean, that is an absurd amount. And you think about with nobody allowed in the dome, it's probably going to be a lot higher than that. You can't get much higher, but surely it will be more than that because the 70,000 people that would go into the Mercedes Superdome aren't allowed this weekend. Yeah, it, it is It is really unfortunate um, for, for the Saints not to do that. You talked and about people, Go ahead. Well, I was, gonna, I was just going to – a postscript to that. You would think that as, as much as the city – you know, pulls for the Saints and supports the Saints, that that city would be more attractive for other sports, like a pro baseball franchise or, you know, they have the basketball team, obviously, but 
but they don't support numbers wise. You know the, the Pelicans like they like they do the Saints, and of course baseball I understand because it's just miserably hot in New Orleans. You know during during baseball season, um, but man they they love their Saints. You know so the Saints have been very successful from a financial standpoint, but other franchises in New Orleans just have not done well, and it's it's a real. Um, it's a real quandary as to why that's the case. The AAA team in, in New Orleans, I was their chaplain, uh, co-chaplain for a few years when they were the the AAA affiliate of the, the Marlins. They, they were the Zephyrs. That's tolerable. Now they're the baby cakes, and I don't think anybody takes a baby cake seriously. All right, um, Bob's out, um, but we will probably do this every Friday. Of course, Michael Mergen's team is the Chicago Bears. Bob's team is the Washington football team. You are a Cincinnati Bengal, and I'm a Saints fan. So let's pick those four games real quick. Kelly, 12 o'clock, Bears at Lions at Ford Field in Detroit. Detroit is a three-point favorite in this one. Remember, new defensive player for the Lions, Jamie Collins from Southern Miss. Yeah, but I think I like the Bears in, in this game. Uh, Matt Patricia, the head coach of the Lions, is really on the hot seat. You know, he's another one of these Bill Belichick uh, assistant coaches that was supposed to bring a lot to the table and just really has kind of floundered. Uh, you have to wonder if it's Detroit or if it's Matt Patricia or a combination of the two. But I like the Lions, uh, even um, even with their quarterback situation. I like uh, You like the Bears, I, you meant. I do. I like the Bears winning yeah. in Detroit. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how the Bears are going to do also. Eagles at Washington, Philly a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Philadelphia is going to be a, a team to really watch in the NFC this year. I'll take the Eagles. Quez Watkins not playing. He's injured for a few weeks. Uh, 305, Chargers at Bengals, real quick. Three-point favorite the Chargers are. Chargers. 325, the game that everybody will be watching. I'm going to pull for the Bengals. I hope Joe Burrow lights it up. Saints, three-and-a-half-point favorite over Tom Brady. Oh, I, I like the Saints big in that game. I think it helps them. Kamara's back. Be interesting to see what the Bucks offense does. And Brady does. has said how difficult it is to learn that playbook. He's had the same one for the past 20 years. Yeah. You know, so he's, it's going to be tough for him. If Bob was here, Bob would say who that because he didn't like Brady. Um, we'll take another break. Kelly and I come back. And uh, thoughts about this September 11th day. Stick with us for segment of Eagle Hour right after this on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota Hattiesburg sponsors the fourth segment of Eagle Hour every single day. Located on Highway 98. So all the favorites, Forerunner, Tacoma, Tundra, Camry, Corolla. Toyota makes it. Toyota Hattiesburg carries it. And we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke. And Brandon in the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Kelly, John Center joins us uh, on the phone, continues to join us on the phone. The calendar says it is September 11th, 2020, and uh, a day that we shall never forget. 2,977 people um, died on this day. Over 6,000 people were injured. Twenty or 2,605 U.S. citizens 343 firefighters, 71 law enforcement officers, I'm sorry, 72 law enforcement officers, as uh, four planes were hijacked, uh, two were flown into the World Trade Center towers in New York City, 
One flown into the Pentagon in Washington and then another uh, crashed in Pennsylvania as a result of American citizens taking or attempting to take back the plane. It's a sober day, and I just wanted to, for Kelly and I to uh, discuss uh, where we were um, and what this day means for us. Kelly, you can uh, go first. Actually, it, it was. I really wasn't certain what was going on uh, until the second plane hit. Uh, when the first plane hit, of course, it was all over network news, and I thought initially it might have been, you know, somebody in a Cessna or you know a smaller plane that just just made a horrible mistake and wound up, you know, running into the building rather than purposely, you know, crashing into it. So because the, the details were very limited, and my first appointment. Uh, and my insurance business that day was in the office of now Judge Tony Mazingo, and I think he's a circuit court judge in, in Lamar County. Um, the TV was on, and we were kind of watching the news and, and talking about things and having a cup of coffee. Well, then the second plane hit. And when the second plane hit, and we saw it live on TV as it was happening, it's only then that it dawned upon me that something was seriously wrong, that, that something was up. And when we got enough of the facts from the news reporters who back then, to, to the younger listeners, Luke, back then news reporters actually reported the news. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of you know, opinion. It was just, this is what's going on. And my sister, who has since retired and now lives in Hattiesburg, she was a flight attendant for United uh, Airlines for 40 years. And I tried to call her after all this was going on, and I could not get a hold of her. And I began to freak out. I knew the odds of her being on one of those flights was, was not good, but still, when I could not get in touch with her, you know, your, your mind starts to run a little bit wild. She finally did get in touch with me later on in the afternoon and assured me that she was okay. But, um, but it was one of those things where I was riveted to the TV then for probably the next two weeks. I don't think I did a whole lot of work uh, the, the next two weeks after that, just glued to the TV. You know, I just couldn't believe that any person or organization could be so despicable and so hateful that they would do something like that. Um, but we now know that there, there certainly is evil in the world. I was uh, in Bond Hall on the campus of Southern Miss. I was a freshman, room 252. We had an 830 class called the Enjoyment of Music. It was one of those fine arts credit classes that all the freshman football players had to go into. And so um, I was sitting in my dorm room. And my roommate, Ethan Whiteside, who was a quarterback and a tight end from Athens, Alabama, big tall guy, he was, he was getting dressed, and I was on the computer, uh, and I was on AOL Instant Messenger. And one of my friends sent me a message and says, turn on your TV. So I turned around, and I said, hey, Ethan, turn on the TV. He turned it on, and uh, the first tower had just been struck. And we were trying to figure out what was going on. And so we had to leave, and we went to class, and we were in a class It was – me and Ethan, Dustin Allman, John Eubanks, the Coley twins, um, Nathan Stewart, Anthony Harris, all those guys that uh, would play with us and, and have, have good careers at Southern Miss. Our instructor, um, Luigi Zaninelli, a composer in the School of Music at Southern Miss, told us what had happened and, uh, or what he thought had happened as he had been hearing from news, told us to go call our families and told us to go and you know, bunker down somewhere. So we went back. Uh, I think we had a team meeting later in the day, and I don't think we even practiced that day. But same thing as you, just kind of mesmerized. And you'd you'd heard about Pearl Harbor, you'd heard about other things, but you saw it. You know, first and foremost, you saw it firsthand 
in your mind that day and just kind of like you, man, just blown away um, that something like that had actually happened in our lifetime. It's hard to believe that next year that will be 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. When, I mean, it, it just seems like it was yesterday. And, you know, we talked about, we were talking about watching it on TV and the TV ratings last night. We talked about in the NFL, the TV ratings were way down. Well, ORB on one of the, uh, on one of the posts or whatever on social media when it came to the ratings, ORB said people want to watch sports as an entertaining escape. And all of these protests and in-your-face statements have got to stop. Politics over everything are turning viewers off of all sports. Basketball, baseball, now football. Good luck, NFL, trying to replace your long, loyal viewers. Maybe the Antifa kids will watch on their phones in between throwing rocks at police. Wow. How about that? Wow. Let's call it a week. Let's call it a day. I'll be on Super Talk Laurel tonight, 99.3 West Jones against Wayne County. Caleb Hamill, PCS at Sumrall on 97.3 SuperTalkHattiesburg.com. Appreciate you listening to us. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the Saints. Hey, enjoy the Bengals too, Kelly Sander. Thanks for, uh, for joining us today. We'll catch you back Monday. And as always, Southern Miss. To the, to the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.